to another edition of Pro and Dialogue. My name is Danny Servick, and in this episode we catch up with my good friend John Roca, the Director of Basketball and Competition for the ACB in Spain, and just have a really fun conversation uh, in weaving through that country um, and starting from the ground floor from their youth development uh, all the way up to the ACB levels, European Championships, and uh, and really how they have become, uh, in my opinion, and in, in many, many more, the second best league in the world. Um, have a lot of fun talking about how they use shot clock, how they use skill development, how they have their overall philosophies in terms of how to play. Um, and then just about the country and, and, and their bigger views of, of the sport and how it impacts them. So uh, obviously finish it off in, in typical Spanish style with a little Himoni queso. And uh, anyhow, a lot of fun. Uh, he's one of the best. Uh, he's, he's been at it for a long, long time in Spain and uh, really enjoyed the conversation and, and, and hope you enjoy the dialogue. Well, when I got started um, in, the, in the kind of the basketball world and the professional side, one of my uh, dear friends, Michael Curry, uh, I guess, heck, this was back in probably 2003 uh, into the 2004, and he told me that if you want to get into to really knowing basketball, and especially in the professional level, but even beyond that, he's like, you got to go to Spain. And I think it was probably the spring of 2004, which was something they called the King's Cup. I flew to Madrid, Spain, and knew nobody and had the name of one individual, and that individual um, was Mr. John Roca. And I, I flew, and I went to a hotel lobby, and all I had was a kind of a cell number to meet, and randomly met, and, and, and now we, we blink, and 15-plus years later, uh, it brings me uh, great joy to have here on one of the early episodes of the Pro and Dialogue, Mr. John Roca. John, how you doing, sir? Hi, Daniel. Thanks for inviting me to to this conversation, and very glad to to join you. Well, it is um, as we had talked about before when I wanted to start this project and and, and really kind of dive into uh, around the world and philosophies and, and ideas that. Um, obviously, we live here in the U.S. and, and with the NBA and everything, and but the next best league outside of uh, in, in country for basketball, in my opinion, and in uh, the majority of others, uh, is Spain. And I just thought it was in, when, when we met, uh, which when I tell my friends that story of literally when I, I flew to Madrid and I, I knew nobody. Uh, and I remember I got sick on the flight and I could, I could hardly talk. And I kind of laid up and got rested during the day and then would, it would be the equivalent of to for like college coaches and high school coaches over here. It's like the final four kind of, you know, that's the, the Kings cup and everyone would hang in the hotel lobby. Um, and we met and, and have been to, you know, many, many Kings cups since then. And, 
um, you just kind of uh, were, were always very uh, open to me and, and, and it was great. But I, I learned a lot about the league. I learned about the culture of, 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 of and the passion of the playing there. And you have kind of, uh, it, you've kind of worked at every kind of level. So currently, uh, I guess I should do more of a formal introduction. You're the director of uh, competition and uh, basketball for the ACB. Which we we'll get into in a few minutes is that that's the that's the equivalent of the NBA in Spain. That's the the top league. So if you if you want to give just kind of a quick kind of recap of kind of how you've since from 1990 when you started with Girona and kind of just kind of work up to the present with you. It's, it's I, I when you mentioned Michael Curry, so it was one of my first uh, signatures as a. As assistant general manager in Girona back in 1994, when he was playing the Doral, I think the name was Doral Arrowwood or something in in uh, nearby New York, uh, where the summer league was played at that time. And uh, we followed Mike when he was in in Cantu the previous year. So uh, we like him. Uh, we had a dinner, so it was very important to meet the, the guy, how he behaved on table talking face to face with with us so and we had a, a very good impression uh, at, at that moment and since then i was in Girona for like assistant general manager they and then i opened a, a scouting company which was fast forward working all over the world and then i i've been 17 years scouting director of acb spanish league working for all the clubs and and since uh, 1998, uh, I'm the sports and, uh, let's say, basketball and competition director of all the competition, which is which is an exciting job, but also very stressing because you have to handle with 18 clubs here, all different views, uh, all different mentalities and perspectives, and it's it's okay, but not easy though. But good, good, uh, good moment in my life and. And as I said before, very glad to share this moment with with you. Well, I, 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 I'm I'm incredibly grateful that you do, and um, I just I think it's uh, it's been one of the joys of of my years of of in the business and and, and getting to meet um, just really interesting people that are you know incredibly good at their jobs, um, and. Uh, and and you you've been at the top of that list, and like I said, Spain has been such a big influence um, in me. And I think part of it probably was just so impactful of like I said, going over there so early on, and just starting to see just the the whole uh, I don't know what what the, I mean. Passion is the word that continually kind of comes to mind with me when I think of Spain and I think of the basketball, but being. Whether in, in in a lot of the different cities, obviously with the Barcelonas and the Madrids, but you can go to the smaller teams back back in the times when it w- might have been Juventus or different clubs, and you go to see a game, and then you see kind of like underneath the main arena, there's all these other smaller courts and gyms of kids playing of the club and things, and it's just it's it's always intrigued me um, of how. Uh, how structured it is and how organized it is. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, uh, and, and kind of towards the end, uh, when we really kind of dive into that talk, talk real quick, before, um, currently with the ACB, I know you guys are, 
a few weeks into the season now. Uh, something that you guys are, uh, I'm sure, excited about coming off of the, the FIBA World Championship. Uh, it was interesting to me, um, and we talked uh, a couple episodes ago with Greg Stolt, who is the VP with NBA China. You know, I, I don't think probably going into it, Spain, I mean, Spain obviously was one of the favorites, but I don't know. I think there's always the U.S. is kind of regarded as one. Serbia was was one of the big ones, but I know it was it's still a a roster that was filled of NBA players, but it was kind of getting to become a little bit of an older roster. So um, to kind of segue from the from the FIBA into the the current season, were you guys kind of surprised with the performance, or was it something that you guys were expecting? Well, it was totally unexpected, uh, honestly. Um, I have to say that the the level of the overall championship was very different than than the previous ones. Uh, when when I saw the final, then I realized that the rosters that Spain and Argentina had in the 2006, when Spain uh, won the, the 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 title in in Japan, and then we had Paul Gasol, 26 years old, Navarro, 26 years old, Calderon, 25, Carvajosa, 28. Uh, 29, so nobody was uh, uh, older than 30 years old. Also, Argentina had a great roster with Ginobili, Scola, Nocioni, Herman, uh, um, Roberto, and these guys were very young. And honestly, I have to say that the level uh, this year was was not that good. I don't know the reason why. I, I think a lot of players um, didn't want to go, didn't want to show up at the, the World Championship. Uh, all the teams they have some some players uh, not going there, so I don't know. But when when you're on the court, you have to win and and show you are better than the others. So Spain did that. Spain since last uh, let's say 15, uh, 20 years uh, changed totally the mentality of uh, competitiveness. Uh, this generation of Pau Gasol, Navarro, and we call the generation of uh, 80. Because all of them were, were were born in 1980, they won the the Junior World Championship in Portugal back in 1999, I think, or 98, and they transformed totally the the, the mentality of, of of our the sport here in Spain. So it was a generation uh, uh, tremendous, tremendous what they did, what they achieved in in European Championships, World Championships, uh, silver medals. In in uh, in Olympic Games, and this been also part of the of of the success of of the league. And on the other side, the league also has been a part of the success of the national team. Here, the structure is totally different than than in the states. I mean, you cannot compare basketball in Europe, basketball in the states. These are two total different worlds. Let's talk about structure here in Europe. In Europe, there's no money for basketball. We have not money, honestly. No, you've been dealing with with clubs. Most of them are survivors. TV rights are very, very low. I mean, the incomes for the clubs. But then you have, let's say, like sponsors or owners that they want to give money to the teams. But there is not such a structure of like NBA when you see the money is going around there, the business, the marketing, everything around the NBA so big, so big, so huge. I mean, we cannot compare. And then also in the state, you have the, the, the structure of NCA high school and all these leagues uh, below that they are producing the players for, for the NBA teams. 
because NBA teams, they don't have to care about producing players because all of them, they're coming from minor leagues. Let's say, that, as I said before, the NCAA, you have the draft system. Here in Europe, what you have to do is each club work with the young fellas and work every single day with them, with good coaches, teach them how to play. And then if they're good enough, they will have the opportunity to to play with the pro team. Although, let's say, less than 5% of these youngsters are getting are getting a, a space in in the roster of the pro team. So, but the, all the movement here in Spain uh, and in Europe also. But Spain is, I think, now is number one because if you see the young the young championships here, youth championships in Europe, like under 20, under 18, under under 19, we we have a lot of success right there. I mean, achieving a lot of uh, medals. So. This is a system that is, work, is working properly. Here, we, we would like to have more young players in the pro level. But as I said before, it's a structure. We have Federation, who's running the young uh, national teams and the minor leagues. ACB is running the professional league. And we are all connected. Also, women uh, is doing a great job. So it's a, a basement, a very well-developed but uh, the lack of huge money, uh, it it, uh, it doesn't uh, allow us to go further in a, in a project like a bigger league, like you know NBA, with these salaries that you you're reading that they are paying to the players. So for us, say you know, one of the biggest salaries in Europe maybe is the salary of one of the top players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and to me, that's what makes it so interesting how well you guys do it uh, with your whole system and how everything is developed with, like you talk about where you don't have the monies to um, comparable to here in the States with that. What, let me ask you this. It, 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 with you talk about with the Federation and the youth teams are so good. It, what, what kind of age is it where you guys really start to kind of identify some of the better prospects and you really start to kind of, start to identify, implement some of the coaches and, and start to, to, to structure them to, to get them in that proper channel for you guys? It's, the, 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 I mean, the, the time goes fast to me. So every, every time I go to see kids and now you see scouts and agents around with now 12, 13 years old, and, and and before, you know, in my first ages in, in, in basketball, it was totally different. But now the movement is like getting faster. And But the, 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 the clubs here, like the teams, they are trying to scout starting 12, 13 years old. So this is the, 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 the starting age for recruiting players to analyze them. So... Sometimes I don't know if it's so so good, you know, take a kid with that age, uh, getting out of from their parents, from their school, from their friends, and moving moving over to another city. I mean, for me, it's it's too too early. But I'd rather to you know, 15, 16 years old, a guy is more mature and is uh, getting in in another age. But but uh, clubs uh, here there are also different uh, different 
working, uh, let's say, structures. Let's say uh, here we, we there is a classic that everybody talks about is Juventud Badalona. You know, Juventud Badalona when when they have timeouts in the pro team, the kids with nine, eight, seven years old starting to play, you know, five on five or full court in the timeout, <laughs> and you can see how good they play. I mean, yeah. they have the skills because. It's the, it's the environment over there. Everybody likes to play basketball. You know, you Spain are uh, football, soccer countries. Every, everybody plays soccer on the streets, but in that place, everybody plays basketball. And Badalona has something special. You can see Ricky Rubio, Rudy Fernandez, uh, Paul Rivas, Raul Lopez, and many, many, many players in our league are coming from, uh, from Juventus Badalona. The coaches are very good. You can see all the teams, 12, 13, 14, 16 years old teams, all playing the same, uh, extra passes, uh, good good uh, offense uh, situations uh, every time, reading the how, how they can create an advantage, uh, one more pass, uh, reading a mismatches, uh, playing good defense, it's 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 lovely to see how how they play. You know, also then there are teams they they like to recruit players and make a selection of the best talents. You know, the, the clubs they have more money, they are trying to do this. But also they have good coaches. And another issue here is I think in comparison with the states, we are, we are competing all day long. In the states, probably for from my point of view, maybe I'm wrong, but. You see college there playing from November to March. And after that, you, you, I don't know what, what the players are really doing. Okay, you can play uh, uh, street games or you can play, I don't know, uh, scrimmage games. But here you are playing a national championship, local championship. Uh, then the, the good players are going with the national team. Some of them, they go with the national team under 18 and under 17. Or sometimes are practicing with the pro team or with the second team, with the junior. You know, I think here our players are getting more adapted to compete day by day than probably in the stage. Even I don't really know exactly how the system works over there, but this is uh, what, what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing from the distance. No, that's a great point. And, and that is a, I think that's one of the biggest ones is, is, you hear that whether it's a, whether it's a college coach, whether it's a high school coach, is that their lack of um, opportunity, whether it's by NCA rules or whether it's by high school um, federation rules, their abil- their lack of ability to get on the floor and teach, their lack of ability to to be able to work with them in the off seasons, and um, that's that's where the model where you guys have uh, works so very well because, like you said. They play here, and, and, and they have changed things um, at, at the various levels where they add, um, and, you know, in, in, in the majority of the high schools in the states over here, they'll have a competition month in the summer, and which you have a few weeks where you can the coaches can get their guys together, and you see the, the NCAA rules have changed where they have more opportunity to work with guys in the offseason, but it's still not like you talk about um, the ability to kind of have organized play continually, uh, outside of you know, if you have some of the the under eighteen, under nineteen, or twenty teams with USA basketball here, um, so no, I I think that is that is it. One of the things too that you were talking about just then, and and let's have just a great flashback. And, and when we were talking at the beginning, is with Joven too, and of course one of my 
great clients uh, was Clay Tucker and Clay, uh, who's now at Auburn, by the way, working with with uh, Auburn basketball and Coach Bruce Pearl, and he played for him at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. And um, but Clay, you know, we went over to see Clay uh, numerous times when he was initially with with, with Joven too. Is I just remember walking in to see you know like the shoot around, and then kind of leaving the 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 arena and that it was literally underneath kind of in the arena they had you you were watching like you said 12 13 15 year olds just you know working on pick and roll reads working on different technical aspects and it was just super organized and and there was kids playing and and that probably um my first king's cup when i came over would have been when uh, when Fernandez and then right thereafter is when Rubio and those guys and and I just remember you talking about that 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 Joventu they were that was like the hub that was kind of that they were best known for developing the young ones and of course then the bigger clubs may come in and buy them off or whatnot um, but I I just think that, that that club in itself in in Spain was one of the the initial ones that kind of really made such a strong impression with me uh, in in seeing their development and in in, in seeing and just kind of wanting to learn more about how you, how they did that and, uh, you know, kind of moving forward. Um, so it's good to hear that they still kind of um, in, in, interested in different pockets of where they're really big on the development still there. The um, No, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go. The um, l- let me ask you this. One of my uh, favorite talking points over here with uh, uh, high school coaches, youth coaches, is the is the use of the shot clock, and um, I, I I find it always very interesting that at whether we, here in the states, specifically, you know, we, with with college, and then the pros, we play shot clock, but we don't ever develop our younger players. Um, with learning how to play with the shot clock, because that obviously impacts the game. And I think, you know, I think it makes you have to be more skilled and impacts how you play. And so what age do you guys start to implement the, uh, the younger ages with, with playing with the shot clock? And from that, what, what's kind of the length of the shot clock and how it kind of transitions to get ready for them when they get ready for the pros? Um, yeah, we start with the age of 13. I mean, well, when when you play at 13 years uh, old, there are different levels, of course. So in the top level, let's say we're here playing Barcelona, Madrid, all these guys, all, all these clubs. So uh, shot clock uh, 24, it's already it's already on. So uh, they use the, this this uh, shot clock to play, and and also you 15, 16, all these ages are playing with, uh, with the shot clock. So. Uh, you know, before, let's say about 15 years ago, it was 30 seconds. Then we moved it to 24. And, uh, well, it was some adjustment for a period, but now everybody, everybody assumed that game. And I think the game became faster, more, more athletic. Uh, so sometimes you're making bad shots because, you know, if you have a good defense in front of you, I mean, most of the situations uh, here in Europe as well, they are ending in a pick and roll. So before those rules, uh, they're not. Uh, it was not so much used the pick and roll situations. They were not so much used. So 
And now 90% of uh, offense situations are ending in pick and roll. Pick and roll, you know, so pick and pop, or whatever. So sometimes the game, I think the game also got, got more globalized. I mean, before, as, I, as I'm getting old, I can say that. So before, when I, I attend the first events, when you, you went to see those events, China played a, bas- a different basketball than Brazil. Spain totally different than than the Russians, and now you go to a tournament uh, like that with uh, many countries involved in the tournament, so you can see the the, the game also came uh, became more globalized. Everybody plays the same place in the same style. I mean, more, more, with with some difference, obviously, but but it became more global. I, I remember also when when I start to see first Brazilians with Oscar Smith. They catch and shoot all the time. Catch and shoot, you know. No, so it was amazing. So now, now they play. Brazil plays the same like France or like uh, Italy. Today, everything has changed a lot. What I would say also about what we've been talking is that the huge development that Europe has experienced in terms of uh, producing players to the NBA. Uh, so it's. It's it's fantastic because uh, our our movement has developed so well in terms of, of basketball, but didn't get along to the huge uh, level in terms of as I said before of marketing or of economics. So and then you can see NBA that for me is is having some problems with the, the production of players or the level of the players like in the past. Although they still having 25, 30 great stars, so not comparable with any any player in Europe. But but uh, when 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 I, I I saw Olympic Games back in 1990 and 1984, sorry, in Los Angeles, at the time the United States was playing with the, with the college players, and they kill everybody. They kill everybody. I mean, the final was against Spain, and they beat Spain by 40. That time was. Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Steve Alford, I remember. I think Kenny Walker, if I'm wrong. So and, uh, uh, anyone in the world could even compete with uh, with uh, with uh, college players in the states. So then, in back in 1988 in Seoul, uh, Russia beat the states. I think it was David Robinson over there. So it was decided uh, to to create. Like a professional team, which was called, everybody knows that the dream team in, in 1992. And since then, uh, all the NBA players became uh, became like uh, players for for the tournaments all over the world. So, and and now now we 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 see that. Well, I'm telling to some friends of mine, what what will happen today if in a world championship or in an Olympic games. USA will go with the with the college team. What will be the their performance in in in, in the championship? I, I, I don't know the answer, but probably won't be the same that the, back in 1944. 84. Sorry. No, I totally agree. And, and what, to know and to, and to that point, I think what you saw was was this year that when we don't even send. Our, you know, our quote best players, our top roster. That you know, it's it's a struggle to compete. So if you roll it all the way back to the to the to the college, because I think your point is incredibly well taken. 
But you know, when you have so much money or these salaries that you are paying, that it's totally generously because uh, the NBA is producing so much money, so you have to to share it with the players. And I would like to be an NBA player to get the, the contracts. So, so I'm happy for them, you know. But when you don't have this this money, you have to be creative and to work uh, the double or triple so to to create players and to produce players and and also the players philosophy that you teach them is totally different probably in the state so it's 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 uh, different points of view which is uh, no one is better than the other but as i said before it's totally different concept of one basketball to 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 another one so yeah so unfortunately in Europe and and you have suffered that a lot of clubs they cannot even play pay sorry the 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 salaries of the players and they cheated the players uh, with some tricks not to pay uh, and here so because uh, in January they don't have the money to to or resources to play the players so this is something that in the states you cannot even imagine so how how structured is the league how how much money is producing it with the with the merchandising, with the marketing, with the TV revenues, with the presence in all over the world, you know. Here in Spain, you go to the street and you see more uh, NBA T-shirts that, than, than uh, well, for 10 T-shirts, nine are NBA and one only for European basketball. So, it's, mm. it's, we're talking about two different worlds. Yeah. Let's talk a couple minutes. One of the things I was wanting to, to ask you is... The um, are are the numbers? Are you seeing any kind of trend in terms of Spanish players wanting to come play, uh, whether it be in the high school level or the collegiate level? I know last year uh, I was reading something uh, a few weeks ago that talked about in the the 2018-19 season. I think there were ten uh, ten male and sixty nine female players uh, at the collegiate level here in the in the U.S. Um, of course, I saw one of those ten who I thought was just fantastic, Francisco Alonso, that played at UNC Greensboro, who I think is back playing in the ACB this year. Um, and he was, you know, I, th- I thought he was very, very good. But you didn't. It's one of those things that you don't see a lot of because I think, as we talked about earlier, the best ones kind of get identified and they start to get channeled in with the clubs. Is that something that you're starting to see a little bit more of? Some of the not not necessarily the top, but some of the better younger players that are wanting to come play at the collegiate level here, uh, and then try to come back to the ACB or or come over here in hopes of the NBA. What, what, what do you what do you see from that standpoint? Well, that's a good that's a good question. I mean, uh, here also. Uh, it's it's quite complicated for the guys to see how how their future is is is, is going on. I mean, it's uh, our league also became so professional, so now we have a lack also of Spanish players. There's been a report that uh, there's been launched a report that that we have only the 30 percent of the players from Spain. The 70 percent of the rest are coming from all over all over the world. So it's not easy for for them because when they end the we call the junior age here, 18 years old, then then at that time you you became professional. So you have different options. First is going to the pro team, which is 
impossible, at least you are Luka Doncic. So, uh, some of the teams, or most of the teams, they have like a second team playing in second, third league, okay? So, the guys can go there. So, but, you know, the leagues are not so, so, so pro for them. And, and third leagues are very, very, very low. So, what what they, there is a, a period of time between 18, 19, 20, 21 years old that some of group players are getting lost because they don't, they don't, you know, as I said before, we have good structure to develop the players inside the clubs. Maybe we are missing some good leagues for develop these players. We, we call it, the, we say the jump from, from youth to pro here is very, very high. It's not like in state that you have high school and CAA. This is more structure, but here we, we don't have it. So, a player takes a decision sometimes to okay going to the states, but it's not only for a basketball point of view. I think if you go to the states, it's because you can play basketball, but also you have a good scholarship in, in NCA, you have a good uh, a good uh, education over there. You can uh, you can uh, combine both. Because you will you will study in the same uh, university where you play basketball, and here in Spain or Europe, uh, you you practice in the morning, you practice in the evening. Your school is uh, far away from from the the facilities of the club, so it's not so easy for young people if they want to combine sport and, and education. So I think uh, in, in in Spain, when when you take that decision to move over uh, high school or NCA, uh, is taking into consideration to to also have a good scholarship, especially in men, in men, uh, in women also, but in women also, and you know, women is different because you know when WNBA is not the same that NBA. The the season uh, period of the year is different in Europe. Uh, the, the the women's game is, is getting bigger as well, you know. So you, as you know, WNBA season is in a, a different period than European uh, period, so that the top players in, in the states can play in Europe and and on, on the other side as well. So that the girls from Europe can play WNBA, so they play twice or two championships in in the season. But uh, overall, um, it's a decision by parents, by players to, to say, hey, I'm going to the States. I would like to play basketball over there, but also I will be graduated in a good school and good university. And then after four years, we will see how my, my basketball level is and we will decide. But a few players coming back from uh, NCAA, they, they are having then uh, an impact in, in our basketball. Yeah, that was that was the the um, one of the things that I I noticed in the article that there there had been like a 15, 16 year gap from the last time that a, a Spanish player had come played collegially that then made it back to the ACB, um, and then and then that's that's why I was really curious was with with Alonzo to see how he would because I you know I saw him play. Um, a number of times at Greensboro and in the Southern Conference, and just thought he was a you know I got a lot of enjoyment out of watching him just from from talking about how from from watching the the international guys and the Spanish guys play and and so 
but you don't you don't it's not you don't see more of it and i just was kind of curious of of that direction if that was becoming more of a trend or not so um talk, i want i want to rewind for a second back to um in identifying when they talk about some of the, the, the better prospects in, in those kids when they're 15, 16, uh, and they make that decision to uh, start to really kind of go all in and they, they kind of leave home and to come with the teams and start to get into the, their junior programs. And then, and we can use, you know, Joven too as an example, but what's kind of, I mean, what does that structure look like for them? So they, they leave, they leave their city, they leave their home, they come to the town and then they, you know, kind of pick it up from there is, is, is then what the structure is for them. Well, there are different levels of, of clubs. Uh, you know, here in in, in Europe, or I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Spain, you know, there are clubs with with some uh, uh, money structures they can afford uh, better situations like that than the others. But uh, when you recruit a player, let's say 13, 14, 15 years old, okay, so you you take him over to your city uh, or, or he, he will live in a school's residence or in an apartment shared with uh, some other players. The club gets personal for cooking the food or a, a teacher to, to control their their academics, and so more more or less, uh, all the clubs are are doing are doing this with with the young players. I mean, so for example, one maybe I don't know Barcelona can have a taxi for a player who's living let's say eighty miles away. So maybe they go there to pick him up, uh, practice, and after the practice, take him back uh, home. I mean, there are different situations. It's, it depends on the structure and the and the money capacity of of each each club. But uh, the most important thing for me of the network here is that the coaches, especially here in Spain, are very very good for for these kind of levels. They are good teachers. They are developing the skills of the players, and you can see how how what we talked about before uh, about the. You know the passing skills, the reading, the IQ of the game. I mean, although now it's it's very typical here also to to take African players, you know, to because Spain is a country with lack of big guys. I mean, for positions three, four, and five, uh, we are suffering because Paul Gasol and Mark Gasol is like you know a blessing for us because in Spain, no, no big guys. Uh, like like that, and we will suffer after this generation. But uh, but uh, the, the, the the how how the, the the coaches are developing the players for me is, is really really the key of of our system. Is there, and let, also with the good competitions? Yeah, let, let me ask you this. This is one of the things that um uh and with this and in, in in starting trying to have something kind of each week and especially when we, we have uh, guests like yourself kind of from around the world and, and bringing in different countries and markets and kind of talking about call it like our three point shot of what are like three points of emphasis um, in, in kind of the development. What, and you mentioned a couple of things there. What are, what are, are there, what are the main core values uh, that you think if there, if there are some uh, whether it be from the ACB down, but, 
in developing the players that or, or that the, the, the young Spanish players kind of identified with that is known for whether like you mentioned kind of passing and IQ skills, but what, what are, are there some key things that you guys really try to, this is, this is who we are. This is a Spanish player. I think for 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 us, uh, the concept that the, the basketball is a, uh, a team sport, and we ha- you have to share the ball, you have to share this responsibility on defense, and you have to communicate, you have to get uh, the best chemistry you you can have. But when you are on the court, so. Uh, Try to get the, the the best shot, which is means is maybe one extra pass. So reading, play inside, outside, uh, you know, move the ball from one side to another. It's always with patience. So the skills, uh, going left, going right, you know, jump shots. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's all that uh, the read read the offense as best as you can, and also also play good defense with good concepts. But uh, when you can see uh, many offenses in 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 a, in a kids game that all five players touch the ball, mm-hmm. this is something that sometimes in school NBA I miss so much. You know, to to share the ball more often. So even sometimes here we are passing so much. You know, but but we will go from one side to another. But I like very much how, how we teach the, the kids to play this, this kind of, of, of basketball. You know, penetrate, kick it out, when one extra pass, always reading how, how you can get an advantage in front of, of the defense. And, 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 and also, overall, what I said is sport, sport uh, team sport, not... Not an individual sport that you gotta score forty points and show how good you are and show to the world that I'm the man. So, so the the the, the team is the key of the success. Oh, I love that. I, I and that is as you're sitting there saying that. I mean, I can. I mean, that every time I close my eyes and sit and envisioning uh, watching a game, youth game, or watching players, and I mean that's how Rubio plays, right? And you watch him play over here, and he. That's what makes him kind of unique in that he's in the middle of a lot more of the individual stuff, but he still kind of plays with that way. And then can even roll him back to Alonzo and watching him in college was that way. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and that's where even back to this summer um, with the FIBA World Championships, that just that experience. And I thought that's one of the things that I enjoyed that it was, you know, you get Spain and Argentina, two of the more veterans, but still just filled with, just that, you know, great sharing of the basketball, great playing, great, you know, and obviously Louis Scola, uh, Scola was a great player over there before he came to the, uh, to the NBA. And so, no, that, that's, those are great, great, great nuggets, great pieces. Um, and that's one of the things I hope. Argentina, Daniel, Argentina is such a great example as well for, for the, the wall of basketball, how they compete, how they strong they are on the core. I mean, you can see the players that they, they produce in the past years. Argentina is is unbelievable. I love how they play. I mean, I love. I, you see now Campazzo. Have you seen Campazzo playing for Real Madrid? Or always, you know, the generation of Ginobili, which is one of my favorite players of of all time. I mean, it's another generation. But also, all of them, most of them, they have developed the, the basketball game in, in Spain or or in Europe. So, but he's a good example to. 
to learn about uh, from from Argentina. Yeah, Sorry. I agree. No, I I I, com- I completely agree. What I know, we got a couple minutes left. The um, one one of the things I was again with the NBA kicking off um, a new season here. There was another article that was out and just kind of highlighting um, for the sixth consecutive season. Um, there's over a hundred international players on opening day rosters. I think it's 108, um, from 38 countries, um, just on the impact of, I think kind of going back to what you talked about earlier, um, how the, how the, it's, it's become such a global game in, in the plan and the development of that. Um, and I think, uh, what there's five, five, six of the, the Spanish Spanish players on, on the opening day, and, and it's like you talked about generation of eighty, and it's it's kind of a transition. What do you see? Who, who's next? Who who are the next kind of guys kind of coming up that uh, um, we here in the states may may not quite know about that are going to come back to take the spots of the Gasols of um, Rubio Fernandez and guys like that. Uh, I don't know if I have to be pessimistic, realistic, or optimistic, but I don't see any any prospect like Paul Gasol, Marco, such a great players. I don't, I don't see. Uh, but who, who knows? Who knows? If someone will come. I think we will have to to be back to that spirit that I mentioned before about the the team's effort. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when we had problems in the past, Paul Gasol was there. When when Paul, I mean, five six years ago, he was dominating all these these events. House has been so so great. I mean, but uh, now we have a Garuba from Real Madrid who's playing for, with with the pro team, and I think he's uh, 16 years or 17 years old. Uh, he will be good, but a rising star. Uh, like like Gasols, uh, I don't see any right now, but but we we will survive for sure. We will be competitive. Paul Paul Gasol didn't play the last World Championship in, and and we won the, the the gold medal. So the world keeps going, and we will have to to find a way to to keep competitive and, uh, and show the the world our our basketball is there. So. Hopefully, we will find a way to to keep uh, being in the top. No, I'm put me in the camp of one of those that believes that you will find a way. What? Uh, and, and lastly, with the uh, with with the ACB cranking up, how, how what's your uh, outlook on the season this year for the league and in 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 terms of competition and how some of the top teams will perform in the European Championships? Yeah, the league has started. Very, very good. Uh, we we already play, played five games. You know, here it's a kind of different than NBA. We play 34 regular season, but we start earlier than NBA and we finish later than NBA. So you had to combine with with Euroleague, with EuroCup, with Basketball Champions League, with these international competitions, once or two weeks, uh, two, two two games per week. But our league uh, in Spain, it was a, a very, very big economical crisis back in 2010. So now we we are recovering from that. We are recovering. I mean, we are okay. Clubs are getting more more established, and, and our league is going to be very, very competitive again with 
new Americans coming, uh, guys from from NCA, great expectations like Fletcher McGee, uh, top teams like Madrid, Barcelona, Vasconia, Valencia, Malaga, uh, some other in the middle like uh, Tenerife, Andorra, which are, are very competitive, also leading their competitions in the international uh, side. So getting excited for a Copa Array, which will be in Malaga, and as you said before, our Copa Array is like the, the NCA Final Four. It's a great event. And uh, we we already played the Super Cup, so we have in Europe you, uh, in, in our competition we have uh, three titles: Super Cup, Copa del Rey, and and the league. So that makes you uh, that gives you a lot of opportunities opportunities to 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 get a success in into the season. So and very excited, very excited about how how the season will will go. No, well that's good. I, I think I'm going to need to try to find a way to uh to, to make my way back over there and um so we can get some more hamoni queso and uh yeah. ah, looking forward looking forward <laughs> jamon queso eh, paella whatever so i think so, i think you were the you no were the problem. first one to introduce me to the hamoni queso and, and all, I, that was that mm-hmm. was just the best so um well listen good food, good food. After a basketball game, the best is going to a restaurant, have jamon, good good food. You know, in Spain, the food is fantastic. So we, you, I will be more than glad to welcome you again here in Spain anytime you you come. Oh, uh, can't we all that? So, well, listen, I um, I love talking basketball and, and catching up any chance we get, and uh, I, I really appreciate you kind of opening the doors and, and, and kind of talking about the uh, all things that are basketball in Spain and in and like I said it's it's something that I've I've been a big fan of for for many many years and how you guys do it and more so just you and just your passion for the country for for the teams and I think all the things that you kind of talked about of of what a Spanish basketball player is and how you guys go about it is kind of how you live and and it kind of carries through. So I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to go through and, and, and hop on the pod with me. The pleasure was mine, uh, Daniel. So feel free to call me anytime you you need to, to talk to me. So and I will be glad as I said to to see you over here. Definitely, definitely. All right, my friend, we will uh we will talk soon, okay? Okay, best regards to everyone and uh, the best success for for this idea that you are developing with, with the podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pro One Dialogue and special thank you to our guest, John Roca from the ACB. Uh, be sure to go subscribe and listen. The dialogue can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find your podcast. Uh, the season has started. Practices are, are going uh, for high school teams. And uh, look forward to catching up soon on the next episode of Golden Dialogue.